Hello and welcome to Sip Sip Hooray, the podcast for people who love wine and are thirsty for more information about it, minus all the fussiness and snobbery that can sometimes be associated with wine. On today's show, farming, nature, wine, and family. These are some of the forces that drive our guest. He is a third generation farmer and the son of a wine legend who's quickly attaining legendary reputation status himself. We first met Mark Pizzoni 15 years ago when we were shooting our television show in wine country for NBC. Mark was just a young buck then. He is now a husband and a father and a vineyard manager with a very full plate. We are thrilled to have him as our guest today. We are, of course, the two Marys who like to eat, drink, and be merry. I'm Mary Babbitt. And I'm Mary Orlin. And when you think of California's Santa Lucia Highlands wine country, one name comes to mind, Fazzoni. This winery was founded by the larger-than-life Gary Pisoni. Against all odds, he planted vines in the Salinas Valley when everyone else was planting row crops and said that it couldn't be done, but he did it. So um, we are here with Mark in the wine cellar below his home in the Salinas Valley, and we are surrounded by some wonderful bottles, some that have been consumed, some not, but we are so thrilled to be here. And whenever I'm asked what was my most favorite episode of In Wine Country, there's no hesitation, Pizzoni. Absolutely. It was a fun one. It was. We <laughs> called it Pizzoni Land, and it was just so much fun. Everybody was so gracious. Um, we got an awesome vineyard tour with Gary in his vintage Jeep, and um, the family provided a lovely cookout for us and Mark's grandmother made these awesome pies but um, so we are so thrilled to be back with Mark and um, catching up so Mark welcome to Sip Sip Hooray. Thank you ladies I'm absolutely thrilled to be here Uh, thrilled to share some more of our story with your listeners and it's really cool that that memory of visiting our ranch really resonates with you and sticks with you we I mean my father and our family truly love our ranch love our wines and love sharing them with people who really care about it it's obvious that you guys do and your family approach to it is really special and really unique I mean you are a third generation farmer and you talk about being in the farm on the farm with your grandfather and his influence on you can you tell us about that yes we're very much a farming family and i like to say real farmers and we've been doing it for quite a while um the early 1900s our family began farming dairy cows in right above us in this area that we are in the middle of the salinas valley and then in the 1950s uh, my grandparents began farming row crops in the salinas valley um, really rich soils fantastic for growing wine grapes I mean, for growing vegetables and then my father in 1982 went up to the mountains and the property that we had in the Santa Lucia Highlands and began planting wine grapes up there was one of the first people to plant wine grapes up in the mountains took a huge risk planting wine grapes up there um, and really fantastic to see how that's turned out I mean my dad absolutely loves loves wine, loves sharing it with people, um, and planting wine grapes was part of his well, history. Yeah. People thought he was crazy for doing it, and maybe your grandparents too? Were they among the doubters? <laughs> yes, very much so. People thought my father was crazy, because really, truly, up in the benchlands of the Santa Lucia Highlands, where our property is, at that time, nothing was growing up there. 
have really poor soils. You have these granite-based soils. It's extremely windy. There's no water. Um, and dad took a huge risk planting wine grapes up there. Um, and people really thought he was tra- crazy at that time. Um, but fortunately, I mean, it's a great story and sticking to what you love, truly believing in things and continuing pursuing your passion and your dreams, even when other people think you're crazy. Well, he was fortunate that he found water that nobody knew was there. Yes, very fortunate. So our family, um, my father drilled five dry wells up there. Um, near, our family nearly went broke drilling for water. Um, on, on the sixth well, um, my dad found water up in the mountains where people thought it was not possible. Um, and from there, we were able to irrigate uh, the young vineyard that he had planted at the time. I'm trying to picture that, you know, on... Well, number five, it's still dry and you get to, you do a sixth, you know, you go for it again and to hit this like, you know, hidden gold. It's the eureka moment. Yeah, truly. I mean, water is so precious. We look at where we are in California now in a drought um, and we look at, you know, how precious water is. um, And we as farmers extremely, I mean, value water so much, conserve it so much. And for my dad to have found water and been able to plant some wine grapes up there was truly, truly special and probably one of the most memorable moments of his lifetime. How is the drought impacting you guys? The the drought's impacting all of California agriculture. um, And we as farmers are doing our job to save as much water as we can. Um, Fortunately, grapevines use very little amounts of water. Um, We as farmers also firmly believe in stressing our vines and giving them minimal amounts of water. Um, So it is affecting us. Our canopies are a little bit smaller. Grapes yields are a little bit lower. Um, They're not quite as healthy as normal. Um, but we're doing what we can to work with a very small amount of water that we hand have. And any good farmer should be doing that. And if you're not doing that, something's wrong. Yeah. Well, you've said to us just before we sat down that it's not just enough to be a farmer anymore. Can you elaborate on that? Yeah, very much so, Mary. Great question. Um, you know, I'm f- a third generation farmer, been around here for a long time and really feel firmly that you need to not just take care of your small ranch you need to do your part to take care of your ranch your team the environment as a whole Um, and I mean we're certified sustainable farmers and you need to be doing a larger part as far as adopting solar panels conserving water planting cover crops um, ensuring that the pumps you use reuse minimal electricity um, creating open spaces on your ranch to create diversity promoting biodiversity on your property um all these numerous things that farming has evolved so much since my grandparents were farming and that me as a modern as a farmer real farmer now need to be taking all these things into account and adapting to a changing planet uh, with different climates and less water and this whole environment I mean, farmers are i think eternally optimistic um we're constantly adapting and we need to be doing that to be a good farmer in this current era that we're in and you need a long view not just for this year's yield in the row crops or the, you know this season's um harvest in the wine world but for our children mm-hmm. and for the their future the long view is critical for all of us in terms of the health of the planet yeah very much so that long view i think is more important than ever and i think people are finally starting to pay attention to that and as as farmers we're a very in touch to what's going on to changing temperatures to changing water to you know harvest dates and seeing how all that impacts what we're doing 
uh, and things that we're doing on our ranch to ensure that we're taking care of that. You know, cha- looking at changing some row directions on grapevines, changing different rootstocks that are more drought tolerant, adopting different farming practices to make our vines even more resilient, um, to make them so the vines that I'm planting will last a hundred years um, and continue producing fabulous wines into the future. So set the scene for us. Mary and I have both been to your vineyards. Absolutely beautiful. And I remember one morning we were um, overlooking one of the vineyards and the fog had come in and we were a bit above the fog where we were standing, but it was just gorgeous. And um, the Pizzoni Vineyards, uh, well, Robert Parker has said that is the Grand Cru of the Santa Lucia Highlands. So set the scene for our listeners who haven't seen photos or haven't been there. Yeah, so our Pizzoni Vineyard, we're up in the mountains of the Santa Lucia Highlands over the ridge from Big Sur. Um, you've got oak trees all around. Um, you've got a lot of chaparral, a lot of brush in the hills, and it's truly the mountains that we're our um, rolling hillsides as well. Um, extremely poor soils, uh, a lot of granite in the soils. Um, it's also in the mountains. Mountain farming is kind of a different terrain. So imagine have a three acre block of grapes here and a four acre block of grapes there um they really cling to the hillsides up there um and truly our vines are intertwined with our ranches we have you know oak trees throughout the property um we have animals running around you've got i've got honeybees running around there we've got hummingbirds all over the place really at our Pizzoni vineyard we have 35 acres planted and it's a 280-acre ranch, so really working to preserve a lot of open space. Um, we have a small orchard there with a number of fruit trees growing on the property. We probably have a, probably 40 or 50 different fruit trees there. Um, we have an insectary garden. A woman in our office named Hasmin, really talented woman, um, planted an insectary, all native California plants designed to bring in beneficial insects. Um, allow me to work with nature more to farm better so I don't have to spray a bunch of bad chemicals on our grapes so really it's a much higher risk way of farming um, much an older old world kind of way of farming but I feel a more rewarding way of farming um, so really creating a great space not just for wine grapes but for people for other plants for animals and a, just a spot with fantastic energy that you mm-hmm. want to be with go hiking with your kids or do anything like that yeah, it's yeah. alive out there <laughs> they're right on totally alive yeah yeah so for people you're one of the best known uh not only labels but growers in the country perhaps the world um for people who may not i i preface that because i think most people do know about you but if you if they one of our listeners didn't Tell us, you guys grow grapes for other winemakers too, yeah? Yes. So we start, so of our, so currently our family has three vineyards. We have our Sobranus Vineyard, our Gary's Vineyard, and our Pizzoni Vineyard, the original property my dad planted. Um, Our Sobranus and our Gary's Vineyard were partnered with Gary Franchoni, a long-term friend of my father's. Been a fantastic partnership. Of these three properties, we maybe keep about half of the grapes for ourselves, for our Lucia label and our Pizzoni label and our Lucy label. The balance of the grapes we sell to other wineries that have been long-term partners with us. Um, So, for example, we'll sell one acre of grapes to a winery and two acres of grapes to another winery. And these are wineries that have been long-term partners with us that went out on a limb and trusted my father 40 years ago um, and, you know, believed believed in him and trusted him and wanted to purchase grapes from him. 
um, we continue these relationships and selling grapes to these wineries because we're old school. We really value relationships um, and they're continuing to do an excellent job. And I and really enjoy working with other winemakers as well. And um, those relationships are a two-way street because not only is their name on the label, but so is yours. Mm-hmm. Yes, very much so. Um, we visit these wineries every springtime. We taste through their barrels, um, talk about the past season and ensure that the quality is good enough to put a vineyard designate from our property on there. Oh, um, that's great. Yeah, really fantastic long-term relationships and been great for both of us. Mm-hmm. Tell us what it has been like growing up the son of this wine legend. And, you know, you mentioned your dad is just the most fun, colorful, just a vibrant personality. You know, he does not walk into a room quietly. You know he's there. And, <laughs> and he's just awesome in so many ways. But as, as his son, what was that like growing up with him um, already? I think from your earliest days, was he already a kind of a known commodity in the in the wine world? Yeah, very much so. Uh, first, my dad is a fantastic father. Very unconventional at times, but fantastic. Uh, loves my brother and myself. And really... Um, kept our family in focus, kept wine in focus, uh, kept us focused on making high quality wines and focused on our ranches and really taking care of our ranches. And um, so one, it was fantastic growing up. Dad also gave us a very long leash. My brother and I allowed us to make mistakes um, that you don't often see in father-son businesses where he trusted us, allowed us to screw up, um, wanted us to learn from those mistakes and then watched us uh, Watch us learn and grow from those. Were there some bad screw-ups? Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean plenty, of, plenty of bad screw-ups. And my dad, he, we like to tease each other. So my dad would tease us plenty in our relationships. And always would say, hey, kids, make the very best wines you can from our ranches. Um, and everything takes care of itself. And, and I think back, you guys had an interview the other day with Laurent Perret. And Michelle talked about a Bernard and talked about they made great, start with great wines and great people and everything works out. And that's a great kind of motto. And it's something that when I heard that on your podcast, it kind of resonated with me. And it's something that our family has, you know, thought about over the years and kept, you know, people and high quality wines in focus. It's fantastic. Now you've mentioned your brother a couple of times. So let's talk about Jeff Pizzoni and what his role is. Yeah, Jeff, my brother, probably my best friend, a really talented winemaker. He's two years younger than I am. Um, we both probably helped my father make wine when we were, I don't know, five years old. We were in wine. Ooh. Both of us were in wine vats stomping around, which is, you Love know, pictures of us in underwear stomping around wine grapes and see little kids. Did, uh, did dad threaten to pull those out when you started having relationships? Yeah, that's funny. I wouldn't be surprised. Um, but, you know, my brother um, began working in commercial wineries when he was 18 years old, uh, graduated from Fresno State with a degree in enology began working in wineries in Northern California and winemaking always clicked for him. Um, you know, he was the kid with a chemistry set. Um, always a kid that was always looking to discover more about wines, visit different wine regions around the world. Um, really focused on making high quality wines and feels at home and very comfortable in the cellar. Um, really happy to be partnered with him. Um, really keeps us, keeps pushing us, I think, to make better and better wines. Um, and it's really... You, it's very unusual to see a true farmer and a vineyard guy like myself mm-hmm. and another brother that's in the cellar. And there's you don't see many of those relationships. There's one or two in Burgundy, but there's very few where there's a true brother who's really the winemaker and I'm really the farmer. And when I say that, there's not layers of vineyard management companies. There's not layers of, I mean, we're out there 
doing stuff. And I really pride ourselves in doing that, that we're a family that gets in there and does stuff and enjoys doing stuff. Like yeah. That. Very, very hands on. Yeah, very much. And you talk about family, you know, as a free family labor as a kid, um, my parents got my brother and I to work. We're out in the fields working as at a young age, you get that free family labor, you get those kids out there and you work. And it's something I think is really important. Um, my kids, I have a 12 year old boy and a nine year old, a 10 year old girl now. And they both in the summer spend a couple hours working on the ranch every day. And I think it's fantastic to get kids learning to work, appreciate how hard work is and appreciate the ranches and and find the satisfaction in it that yeah. you obviously Yeah, did, very much know? so. I mean, I, I as you can tell, I'm enthusiastic. I love my job. I love bringing people into farming and talking about agriculture. I think it's, you know, people get further and further away where their food comes from. And it's so true. So true and so important. I mean, I love getting kids on the ranch and getting other people on the ranch and showing them what's going on and what we're doing and why what we're doing is so special. And I want to share that with everyone. Well, you spent a lot of time with your grandfather in the on the on the ranch, um, in the vegetable fields. Yeah, so. what did he teach you? Yeah, are there I, life lessons you I got? Think, just yeah, so it was side. really interesting. I I when I graduated from school, I got to spend a lot of time with my grandfather on our vegetable farm, um, and I think you know, I'd spend hours driving him around and looking at vegetables and looking at dirt and looking at crops, um, and really kept our focus him, him, taking care of our ranches, taking care of our ranches for a long term. And, you know, taking care of our team, too, and really ensuring that we're doing right by our employees um, and taking care of our ranches and that long-term focus on on our farm and family. Yeah. And it's, um, you know, it's interesting. My grandfather passed away just before my son was born. And it's just interesting how that life cycle goes. So, yeah, yeah, very good memories. Um, Well, and there's a barn that has a mural in tribute to your grandpa. Yeah. yeah. You girls do your research. Boy. <laughs> <laughs> I loved watching the video of how that got put up square by square. Yeah. So cool. Yeah, yeah. Very cool. And that was really, it gained a great deal of attention. Um, and where's the barn? It's actually very close here. It's an old uh, dairy barn here. Okay. Um, actually a horse barn. The horses stayed in there and the dairy cows stayed next door. Um, but really, you know, went up, block by block by block um, up there and really was a tribute to kind of California agriculture gained a great deal of attention great deal of attention for us Salinas Valley and helping preserve agriculture and helping people become more aware of what's going on around them really cool yeah yeah so you talked about um, the idea of sustainability and the value in it but you didn't tell us how does doing that creates extra work and it creates, it's an investment in the future, but it also is in many cases an expensive investment because you're not just doing the quickest, easiest route, right? So can you tell us about some of the things you mentioned, the insectary? Yeah, exactly. I look at sustainable farming and that farming today, you need to be farming sustainably. You need to be taking care of not just your ranch, but the environment as a whole. And if you're not doing that, you're doing something wrong. Um, so specific things we're doing at our ranch, we have an insectary out there. Um, Hasmin, who I mentioned, designed it and planned it for us. Um, all native California plants planted on two acres of our property, in the middle of our property, designed to bring in beneficial insects. So, so we'll look. tell me what you mean by that. So what does that so do? So I'm bringing in good bugs. So imagine you got bad bugs out there. Like aphids? Like aphids, mealybugs, um, leaf um, mites so i'm attracting bugs that will eat those bugs so you can go out and throw a bunch of chemicals out and kill those bugs right Mm -hmm. but you also kill good bugs in that process or you can be encouraging good bugs 
to breed and to live and kind of spread around. And those good, it's a good books. One. Uh, I look at mealybug destroyers. I look at parasitic wasps. I look at lace wings. I look at yeah, I know. Um, so I'm looking at attracting and building mm. populations of beneficial insects out there. And these kind of you know insectaries encourage that. It's almost like a bug hotel kind yeah. of thing. So you're planting plants that basically attract those good bugs to come and inhabit and inhabit the area exactly and then when they get hungry they need to go find food mary you're right on it you're right on it i like you um and that's and th- those good bugs are out there but this is helping them grow even more so that's a extremely important that's also helping create diversity on our property um i look at things like you know solar panels that we have on our ranches i look at things that the pumps that we use the move they're called variable speed that reduce that use minimal amounts of electricity and adjust using electricity up and down based on our needs i look at things like cover crops um, I look at also planning, leaving open space. Yeah. And a cover crop for our listeners who don't know, what do you mean by that? Yeah, great question. So we have wine grapes growing on the ranch, and in between the rows of the wine grapes, we plant certain crops to increase um, organic matter in the soil, to prevent erosion, um, you know, to help create diversity out there. And it's cover crops are kind of essential, I feel, to a future of farming and really building soil health and strength. I mean, as you can tell, I'm all about taking, I mean, as a farmer, you need to be taking care of your dirt. Uh, And if you're not taking care of your soils, um, your plants aren't going to do well. Do you worry at all about um, climate change in the way of like um, increased sun exposure on your vines and down the road? And will you need more trees to shade them? Or do you think in terms of that? Or is it a different style of growing with more leaves to shade the grape? I think all of that comes into play, Mary. And I look at us as farmers um, are very aware to how the climate's changing. Um, very, and if we're not paying attention to that, we're doing something wrong. Um, so specific practices we're doing, we're looking at, you know, reducing tractor passes to removing greenhouse gases. Most of what we do is all by hand as well. So extremely talented team of guys and gals doing hand labor out there. So not a lot of mechanization on the way we're farming. You can't really mechanize it. Um, but also, you know, looking at redu- changing kind of row directions on some of our newer plantings, increased leaf coverage out there. Also looking at different rootstocks um, and trying to make a hardier plant to deal with a different climate in the future. Are you concerned? Are you thinking about the future of the grape varieties you're growing in this region? Yeah, not yet, I would say. So Good. in the Santa Lucia Highlands, mm-hmm. very much a cold climate. Right. Um, so it's cold it's windy it's foggy um in the nighttime our lows were usually high 40s and our highs get up to usually the high 70s and we'll get a couple of days a year where we'll hit 90 degrees so because we're so close to the ocean we're very moderated climate yeah which does fantastic i mean if you think about pinot noir there's only a handful of places in the world where you can grow it and the santa lucia highlands is one of those and i'm lucky to have grown up here Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, it seems that you are a role model for sustainable farming practices. Um, in 2020, you were awarded the California Green Medal for Sustainable Wine Growing. What was it like to receive an accolade like that? You know, it's quite an honor to get recognized that for that. And um, for me, the biggest, the biggest kind of award or the biggest accomplishment it was my ability to also kind of spread that news to other growers and I really look at as my ability to share what we're doing and share our story and encourage other farmers to be doing doing 
practices which I feel are good. I, this wine industry is a very friendly industry, a very kind industry, and all of us are trying to pull each other up to do a better job. And I think that's the way it should be. And if it's not, it's not, it's not fun. Mm-hmm. That's part of the reason I love in the wine industry so sure. much. It, it absolutely is. I mean, we hear of that from so many people in the wine industry. And I know for me, and I think for Mary Babbitt, that's why we like working with the wine industry too. It's just that camaraderie, that, um, banding together and um i think you know folks here in the highlands certainly do that yeah very much so i mean i i know i talk regularly with our neighbors we share tractors uh, we share yeah. what's going on we meet up and and i think that's important um to create a good a good team trying to make better and better wines together I'm hearing you, um, the rabbit upstairs. You've got a little bunny. Your kids have a bunny? Yes. Uh, my daughter has a little bunny upstairs, so you can <laughs> hear her scampering. The bunny's name is Sandy. So Sandy. she's had it. It's a lop. She's had it for about two years now. Fun. Yeah. <laughs> so if you hear any little scratching, that's what we're listening to. Um, Mark, what is it like managing both the vegetable part of the family farm and the grapes? You're in kind of two different worlds there. So A, how busy are you with that? And how do you juggle both demands? Um, I get to live in two different worlds, and I feel very fortunate that I get to live in two different worlds. Um, the vegetable world and the grape, wine grape world are very different worlds, um, and being in both are really fun. What Where kind I look of veggies at, are you guys um, So we have, uh, we're in the middle of the Salinas Valley, kind of the solid bowl of the world. Mm-hmm. So imagine the valley floor, really rich soil, black clay, uh, heavy organic soil. Um, we're growing iceberg lettuce, we're growing romaine, we're growing cauliflower, we're growing broccoli, kind of uh, we your standard Salinas Valley crops. And it's fabulous to be able to produce food to really feed the world. And in this era of coronavirus that we just are in and coming, you know, hopefully getting better, um, producing food is more important than ever. And, you know, when you see empty grocery store shelves and people are like, Hey, you, you pay attention to your farm. And I had people that we were growing lettuce for and broccoli for and like, Hey, Mark, I want to make sure that feels there because the person I'm selling it to their, their store is empty. And, and, you know, you really value that as a farmer and it's like, Hey, this is a pretty important job. Um, so that farming vegetable farming side is a very important part of our history and something I absolutely love doing, um, and continue that tradition. And the wine grape side is a very different world where we're going, you know, we're stressing our vines up in the middle of the mountains. We're trying to create low yields, um, really smaller clusters, smaller berries. Um, so very opposite of what we're doing in the vegetable farm where I'm trying to create big, healthy, lush broccoli plants and lettuce mm-hmm. plants in the mountains. I'm trying to create little tiny berries. Um, but you know, it's great. I have very fortunate, really talented team of guys and gals we work with people that have been around with us. This got to see me grow up. Some of my father's very best friends are employees that we've been with forever. Some of our best friends. And it's just really cool to have a fantastic, talented team that I rely extremely heavy on. And Have you learned to speak Spanish over the years? Yes, I speak Spanish fairly well. Um, Spanish is a very important part of my job. Um, And I'm a firm believer that it's important to be learning Spanish. My two kids go to bilingual school, so they probably speak Spanish probably almost a little better than I do now. Um, And just our local culture, um, I love being a part of. I love our team. I'm all in on our guys and gals. That's great. Mm -hmm. And are these long days, like what is your, what's a typical day look like for you? Yeah, I have fairly long days. I get up pretty early. So I usually get up about four o'clock. I usually, yeah, I that get up. That is early. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. earlier than I get up. And I'm an yeah. early riser. Yeah. <laughs> I love to run. So one of my favorite parts, I run first oh, thing in the morning. Okay. Um, and then I get back here and I'm in the office for maybe a half hour, an hour. 
And then I spend an hour or two on our vegetable farm first thing in the morning and then kind of mid-morning, late morning um, in our vineyards in the San Lucia Highlands. I usually pop in at, say, our Sobranus Vineyard and then our Gary's and then our Pizzoni mm-hmm. and circle back. Yeah. Sure. So for folks um, who don't know the Santa Lucia Highlands, um, and I know this, Sobranus and Gary's are very close together. Yeah. Um, so tell us about that in the proximity to the Pizzoni Vineyard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the Santa Lucia Highlands, it's an 18-mile-long Appalachian. It's on the bench of the Santa Lucia Highlands. Um the Sobranus Vineyard is a vineyard, the newest vineyard for our family. We planted in 2007 with Gary Franchoni. We're partners there, right in the middle of the heart of the Appalachian. And that's next door to our Gary's Vineyard, which my dad and Gary Franchoni planted in 19, 1997. Um, so they're right in the middle of the Appalachian. And then about five miles, a little bit south and up in the mountains is where our Pizzoni Vineyard is. So I'm able to pop in there and our vegetable farms are all just outside the town of Gonzales. Right. And that's where I live here. Yeah. So you live in the middle of your vegetable. I farms. do. I live. Yeah, I live. You know, I walk outdoors and I'm surrounded by iceberg fields and romaine fields. And we're very fortunate. We eat a lot of fabulous vegetables. I was going to say, is it like you go out and grab some dinner, you know, like all, all awesome. the time. Yeah. We awesome. get out and fresh vegetables. Uh, my wife often complains in the wintertime when we have to go buy vegetables from the grocery store. But also it's um, these fresh vegetables. I'm a big proponent of encouraging people to eat healthy fresh fruits and vegetables i mean it's so important part of our diet mm-hmm. and having fresh local foods is super important and so. eating in season is that important too huge i'm a huge seasonal eater um so when it's asparagus season we'll eat asparagus when we have cauliflower we're gonna eat cauliflower and that's kind of how it is um yeah. and i think it's important to do that you are also a beekeeper and kind of getting really into that. Can you tell us about that? Yes. You don't I, just have one hive. Yes, we have currently have a nine hives on our property. Um, the woman I mentioned earlier, Hazmin, took a class in Cal Poly, learned a little bit about beekeeping, um, taken a, read a couple books, um, and now we have nine hives. Um, I'm on the Monterey County beekeepers list. Uh, so if people have swarms in their backyards they want to get rid of or they're not fr- sure of, I get a phone call. I get Will the, you actually go out and get them? All the time, Mary. And it's fun. So I show up in people's houses and they point to a branch in their backyard with a peach tree and there's a big old football size of bees. Um, I put on my suit. I actually put the bees in a wine box. No joke. Put them in a wine box. <laughs> really? Yes. Put them in a wine box. I actually just got one two days ago. Put them in a wine box, bring them to our ranch and put them into our hives there. And our bees are thriving on our property. And I really feel when I'm proud of our bees thriving. And I really, that shows what a kind of good blend of how things are growing well at a property. I mean, bees around the world are having such a tough time and it's fantastic to see the bees thriving on our property. It's really cool. Could you describe the flavor of your honey? Is there a distinct Pizzoni flavor to it? Yeah. So it's more, it's like a wildflower honey that we have. We have a lot of wildflowers out there. Um, There's also sometimes we have a black sage honey. So, you know, honey at different times of the year tastes differently. So I don't know if I can give you tasting notes on our honey, but it's cool to see our honey taste different depending on what the bees are picking up and eating. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Speaking of tasting notes, we've got a couple bottles of wine on the table. Um, And this would be a great time to talk about the different labels. There's Mm -hmm. Pizzoni, but you have a couple other labels. Yeah. So Pizzoni was the first um, wine our family started in 2008, our Pizzoni Estate Pinot Noir, um, only Pinot Noir from our property. In the year 2000, our family had a Lucia, introduced their Lucia label. And Lucia really re- represents our other projects in the Santa Lucia Highlands. So wines from our Gary's Vineyard, from our Sobranus Vineyard, all estate fruit. Also all vineyards that we own and that we farm and all everything that my brother's taking care of. Um, 
and we're drinking our Sobrana Chardonnay right now. The wine I absolutely love, really bright, really vibrant. Um, a ton of rocks on this property and you get this like mineral streak that comes through there. And also I kind of get like a Meyer lemon thing going it's on. It's gorgeous. So, I yeah. totally get the minerality in the nose mm-hmm. and then the acidity. And to me, the acidity of the wines in the Santa Lucia Highlands is a marker. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're you're right on on that, Mary. I mean, I really feel people are surprised by the acidity that we have. We love uh, acidity in our wines. We want our wines to go well with food, um, and that acidity um, is a natural, naturally found here. And it has to do with, you know, all the fog that we have, the wind that we have, these really moderate temperatures. Our grapes hold on to their acidity well. Just fantastic. It's a beautiful flavor. Mm-hmm. Tell me, do you guys do oak with them or? Yeah. So my brother. So I can talk a little about the winemaking, but um. I can just know a little. So we have um, all French oak that we use on this wine. Um, I think my brother puts about 40% new French oak every year. They're all barrel fermented. Keeps them um, very kind of tight, so yeah. they'll be very long-lived. Um, I want our wines to be able to people to drink and enjoy them when they're young, but I want them to be able to age for decades also. I look at very... We're a very kind of classic winemaking house um, where I look at, we're looking at, you know, reference wines of those great Burgundies and those great Bordeaux and those great properties that have been around for generations and really focused on being consistent, long-term focused. Um, and that's what we're looking for in our winemaking. Yeah. This is a really lovely wine. It's beautiful. It just you know, coats your entire mouth. Um, it's got a lovely body to it. That, and it just lingers and lingers. And what vintage are we drinking? So this is a 2019 vintage okay. that we're having, which is a great vintage in the Santa Lucia Highlands. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah. Good job, Jeff. <laughs> I agree. I got a, a very talented brother. My, uh, my dad always says, hey, kids, uh, I'm too old to drink bad wine. So I want you to make the very best, <laughs> yes. make the very best wine you can. Uh, which is cool. I don't think he ever wanted to drink bad wine. But, yeah. <laughs> but really, I feel it's, you know, these wines are a testament to one fantastic farming uh, where we're doing low yields, hand farming, kind of precision farming. Um, our very talented team out there, a fantastic location. And my brother, um, really doing an excellent job in the cellar and focus on quality. And we as a family are able to make these wines where I look at the wine world, you know, over the years has been changing where you see more commercialization, more mass production, more corporation, different. And we're on the whole other side of the spectrum. We're very old world, very hands-on, very looking for long-lived wines. Well, and, and working on the fruit, making sure the fruit is perfect so mm-hmm. that it can express itself exactly the way you want in the glass. So there's a publication. um, Some folks might be familiar with the term slow food, but there's also a slow wine guide, and Pizzoni is in the current Slow Wine USA 2021 guide. Yes, exactly. And um, also you um, have a bottle award, I believe, for quality. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we've been very fortunate and won a number of accolades and recognition over the years. And I really... it's fantastic. And I really feel fortunate and grateful for that. And I, and I really point that success and recognition back to a long term focus on our ranches, our teams and making high quality wines and really staying consistent with kind of our vision and our path and our mission over the, over generations and winemaking and farming. It's generational. And I'm just very fortunate to be part of a family that's all in on and having the same focus. And that's right. really cool mm-hmm. to be, I mean, it, it's mm-hmm. rare. And I look at other families, wine families over the year have kind of fallen in a trap of trying to make more money, 
more production and we're really trying to just make our wines better and our ranches better. So I imagine you all must have been approached at least once, probably more, um, about being bought out. Yes, we have been over the over the years. I mean, I think um, you've seen that happen with other wineries and other families. Um, fortunately, our family were not interested in that at all. And you know, every dollar that we make, we're continuing to invest into making better wines. Whether it's taking care of our ranches, investing in our cellar, um, and really that long term focus. And you know, you talk about you know families staying together. And I look at my grandmother, who's in her mid nineties now, and definitely slowing down a little bit. But looking at keeping all of us focused together and as a team and, and it's really cool um i just i mean you can tell i i, I totally love my job mm-hmm. i love sharing what i'm doing um and love that we're able to produce wines and it's a true delight to share wine with people and i even look at i did zoom tastings in the middle when people couldn't leave their houses and mm-hmm. people would like be so touched to get a bottle of wine and to share a bottle of wine and honestly to, mm-hmm. to sit down at the end of the day with your sweetheart and have a glass of wine and dinner it's like one of the true joys out there and that we're able to contribute and help people with that. It's awesome. That's that's wonderful. And it is so true. I mean, you know, wine is something to be shared and it creates such great memories for people. Yeah. Yeah. And you two do such a fabulous job of making wine friendly, easy to understand, shareable and and really relatable, which I got, I've got to applaud you girls. Thank you. That's nice of you. We're on a mission to make wine approachable for people you know, trust your palate. We were just talking about this yesterday that, you know, we want people to feel confident in what they like. And if the critics don't like it, but you do, that's okay. Right. Yeah. And that I always say to Mary Orlin that I don't always have the right adjectives to describe mm-hmm. what I'm tasting. I think I have a kind of pedestrian palate, but I know what I like. Mm-hmm. I just don't have the flowery words to really <laughs> um, sell it verbally. <laughs> I know what I like going down my throat. But um, yeah. And so you were talking about this generational thing. Do you see your kids following in your footsteps? They're young yet. So you don't really, I mean, you can't um, project for them yet. But is that something that you hope for? Or I, I, I have no idea. I hope my kids find something that they love as much as I love, which is cool. And who knows where that ends up. And for me and my wife, um, kind of rolling with whatever our kids are into at different phases of their life is really fun to Mm -hmm. see what they're into and what they're doing and us to be on board with that. And when it changes to something else, we go to something else. Right. And that's part of being, I mean, we're very engaged and very involved parenting and it's absolutely exhausting, um, but super fun. And it's for the journey. That's right. Mm -hmm. And it's for a phase, a a phase of our life. And I I think about how your dad must've felt when both of his sons decided to take on a part of the business, you know, Jeff winemaking, you farming. I mean, he must've been just so delighted with that. Yeah. I'm sure he loves to say I had one kid, uh, learn how to grow grapes and the other one learn how to make wine. So now I get to sit around and drink fantastic wine. (laughs) Um, How involved is he now? uh, He's still very engaged, very involved. And it's, and it's really cool to to have, I mean, I look at that long-term wisdom and, and is, is, I mean, he's been growing grapes in the mountains for over 40 years now. Um, and I look back at these properties in Burgundy and they've been, you know, generations and generations and that generational wisdom is essential to be continue to be passed down. And I'd like to think I know a decent amount now, but oftentimes he'll remind me like, Hey kid, you've only been out here for 20 years and I've got Mm -hmm. a lot more. And and that's important. Those different perspectives and tastes. And my dad very much goes by feel and Mm -hmm. the way thing, and he's Mm -hmm. got a fantastic instinct. And, uh, I love 
his excitement and enthusiasm he, and instinct on that. He, that's what I love. He is so excited talking about his grapes, about the wines. It's like he's got this almost childlike enthusiasm. It's infectious. Yeah, yeah. no, totally infectious. It's right on the money. And just, you know, I look at him as a fantastic ambassador to the wine industry where he wants mm-hmm. to share, if it's not our wines, some other people's wines. I mean, wine has been such an important part of his life. He wants to share that with everyone. And well, the other part is that he has built these relationships with these other um, wineries and then trusted you and your brother w- to maintain the relationships too, right? Mm-hmm. So part of that, you know, over years of working with other winemakers and growers and stuff, those were important um relationships that he developed and then you guys have taken them over and what a credit to the two of you that all your people are still there and so many want to be in your in your fold and there's not you don't have acreage for them or vines enough for them but I think that speaks to the character of both uh you Mark and your brother Jeff yeah thank you yeah very much and in addition to wineries just relationships we've had that know people have known my dad and and you know talk about dad being engaged he's constantly out tasting he's constantly out visiting my brother and that's really really important and really cool and it, I think it you know continues to keep us all in, engaged he, he walks the vineyards every day and he's pro- he probably keeps you on your toes too he, yeah he does and also keeps things fun I mean my mm-hmm. dad also mm-hmm. keeps things light and fun and, and reminds us that wine you're supposed to drink it with friends and enjoy it and have fun mm-hmm. uh, what's he like as a grandpa oh he's a fun grandpa yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was a fun father but he's a fun grandpa as well which is very cool and it's cool to see my kids enjoy playing with him um, we play car- yeah we do all sorts of stuff with him which is very fun so what do you do for fun to relax um, yeah, from all the responsibilities yeah so, yeah, so and, run, and how far do you run uh i only run a couple miles so i'm not a long runner so i do a couple miles um but i really love being outdoors um so i like to do hiking um i love being backpacking as well um i have a garden in our backyard so it's kind of funny i'm a farmer who gardens for fun <laughs> as well um you know one of my favorite activities now is Wednesday nights our kids cook dinner for my wife and I they do yeah which is really fun so we get to walk together on Wednesday while the kids cook so it's called kids cook night what do they cook they they cook a wide variety of things so that's genius I'm like I'm kicking myself I didn't do a kids cook night (laughs) yeah I have four kids and it's always mom cook Uh night (laughs) yeah yeah so um so my wife and I get a quick date. We walk down to the end of the road a couple times and back, and the kids cook. And it's yeah, it's fun to see what they cook. Um, and it's just kind of fun to see that. them grow up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Any favorites that they've made recently? Um, well, they're cooking. Today's actually my birthday, ladies, um, which is exciting. Oh, yeah. Well, cheers. Sip, sip, yeah. hooray to that. Yeah. Cheers. Yeah. Happy birthday. Uh-huh. I will sip, sip, hooray to that one. Um, <laughs> so tonight they're cooking string beans from our garden, which I'm very excited about. We also have our some corn growing in our garden, which I'm excited. And they're going to barbecue some chicken for us. So uh, very simple. I mean, I'm t- you talk about seasonal eating. That's what we have in season. That's what we're eating. Sounds and good. that works your, out really your good. Your 10-year-old and your 12-year-old are barbecuing chicken. Yes. I would have had no clue or probably no interest at that age. <laughs> yeah. No. And it's, wow. I mean, yeah. Yeah. So they, they enjoy doing That's it. That's awesome. Is very fun. That's Thank really you. awesome. As you look ahead for Pizzoni, what are some of your goals for the, you know, the next 10, 20 years? Um, I really see us focusing on what we're doing and continuing to make incremental improvements on our ranches. Um, Continue to focus on our team, um, making the same wines from the same ranches and doing a better and better job from them and really looking, taking care of our environment, taking care of our team, taking care of, you know, everything around us and trying to um, 
make better and better wines from our property. And I really want to stay, f- I mean, that's what our family's been doing for years and years and years. And I want to make sure we don't sway from that too much. So I don't want to get bigger. I don't want to make more wine. I don't want to grow more grapes. I really want to um, do what we're doing better. It's interesting that you say you don't want to get bigger because there's so much pressure. And I know you've seen it throughout the industry. You know, once you've got a level of success to keep growing, adding acreage, adding cases, and in your case production going up and up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, Mary, Mary I'd, I'd love both of you to come visit me again and say, wow, Mark, these wines are better than they were last time I tasted. The, what you're doing in the vineyards is even better. I thought you were doing great stuff, but now it's even better mm-hmm. versus like, oh man, you're making a whole bunch of wine now and it's not nearly as good mm-hmm. as it used to be. And that's really nice. That that's the trade off. Right? Yeah. And that's, and I really feel for us, I mean, I look at that precision farming and taking care of our ranches and, and really, um, doing a better, better job with what we're doing. Yeah. How often are you out, um, in kind of a more of a sales or representative role, whether it's at an event or meeting with, do you have to meet with distributors and things like that? Is that part of your job too? Um, a very small part of my job. I don't get off our ranch very often. Um, I, as you can tell, I love being here. I love being around here and there's always something going on and I'm a, I'm an active day-to-day farmer. So pumps need to be turned off. Tractors break. Gophers are eating grapevines. There's always things to be doing on the ranch. So I'm not extremely involved in outside kind of sales stuff. Um, I do meet people occasionally at the ranch, people who love wines and love vineyards. I love to connect with them and show them around the ranch. Um, I'm actually not a sales job, but we're meeting a group of high school students today that are working um, on developing a microchip to help monitor the soil moisture in the ground, which is really cool. Yeah, Um, it's we we very involved in a couple of local schools and they bring out high school kids. And I mean, these kids in high school, they're making chips to monitor. I mean, I never did this when (laughs) I was in high school. And it's it's fantastic to see. And it's one I mean, these kids don't get out on farms at all. So and what they're doing is extremely cool. And it's and, you know, we're very supportive of our local schools around here. So it's cool to engage them. Um, That's really neat. Yeah, you know, that is so great at such a young age to get them out to see where food comes from Mm -hmm. and to do something that is um responsible for the earth Mm -hmm. yeah no very much i mean what they're doing so we have we have these soil moisture monitors that we have an outside company that we we pay and doing and they're looking to mimic that and it's really cool to see 14 15 16 year old kids doing this stuff and i have no idea how this works and it's cool to see them doing that and in the same process, they're getting introduced to agriculture. They're getting introduced to technology. And, you know, that's part of being a sustainable farmer, right? You're helping bring more kids along, get them introduced into agriculture. Um, well, and just getting, think of the young minds you might be inspiring. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's exciting. I mean, sometimes you can get jaded being around and to be around young kids that are enthusiastic and excited about life. It's really cool. Totally being inspired. When you were in high school, were you in good company being interested in farming? Um, growing up here in the Salinas Valley, is it um, is it farm country so that there are other kids doing like future farmers or 4-H and stuff like that? Or were you this lone wolf who, when everyone else was like football, you were, yay, farming? <laughs> or did you do both? Um, I think growing up in the Salinas Valley, there's a lot of kids that are into agriculture industry. So yes, I was around a lot of other farming kids. Um, I went to UC Davis School for undergraduate and I went to Cornell for graduate school um, studying farming. And when I was in Cornell, I got away from a lot of farming community and it was interesting to see you see a lot of kids going to wall street um there and i was definitely not as much of a fit there um and i was happy to be back on the ranch here Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. 
Um, I also want to ask you about another label you have, Lucy. Please tell us yes, about that. Yes, Lucy. Uh, Lucy's a fantastic wine. We've been making it for probably about over 20 years. Uh, right now we have a rosé of Pinot Noir that we're producing, and we're looking forward to making uh, a couple different varieties into the future. Oh, that's exciting. Yeah, it is. So Lucy um, is right now different is just a rosé. Um, and one thing special about Lucy is we really have a strong commitment to charity on that. Um, so we donate $1 of every bottle we sell to breast cancer research. Um, and we've probably raised over, no joke, over $150,000 over the years. Um, Fantastic. Met some, yeah, for a small outfit like mm-hmm. us, it's a what, lot of money. What inspired that? Um, I think breast cancer has affected quite a few people in our lives. Um, and we started doing it on a small scale and came across some really strong women um, with some amazing stories and it connected even like it really hit like oh man this is like a serious I mean not to understate this but it's like amazing how many people this affects and how many people it touches um, and connected even more we met a woman named Lucy Millman out of Chicago so she was a three-time breast cancer survivor really? Um, mm. and really loved wine loved why life very positive woman um and she spurred us on even more, seeing her enthusiasm and energy and love for wine and life and um, continued supporting her and got us engaged in other things. So, yeah, we continue doing that and um, something we're really all in on. And it's part of, you know, I think if you as an organization aren't helping your community and helping do you're doing something wrong um, and you need to be doing that. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Good for you. And it's fun mm-hmm. that you added Rosé to the um repertoire right yeah yeah i know rosé really uh rosé has become popular the last couple years um and it's you know we have a very classic rosé it's a very dry rosé it's um it's a you know a whole cluster press so very aromatic very bright um it's a beautiful wine i've I've had Mm -hmm. it several times Mm -hmm. yeah and it's always sold out (laughs) yeah um it's great you know we've been fortunate demand for our wines has been strong and i think these real authentic wines how we're making them where we're making them from they really connect with people um and it's cool to see people connect with these wines and want to continue supporting us well i think that authenticity comes from yours and your brothers and your fathers your whole family's passion Mm -hmm. for wine for taking care of the earth for everything you're doing and you that shows in the farming in the quality of the grapes and in the bottle and the glass Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think we're we're very real. Uh, yeah, so like good or bad, we're not we're not filtered. We're honest. We're real. Um, and that's and that's. I mean, there's not and, a slick marketing campaign. No, and behind there's us. no faux chateau in sight. Yeah, no. I you came down a dirty, bumpy dirt we road. We did. My pickup truck is covered in dirt. Uh, this is an old house, you know, from the early 1900s. Um, and it has so much character. It really yeah. does. It has character, and it's and it's you know real and and it's just my my grandmother's brother lived here for probably 50 years Um, yeah so it's yeah and it's really cool um there's real history and i I mean i really i really value that at at first it was probably a struggle for my wife even living on here not all the outlets work you know the windows don't always work but that's part of being a real on a real farm um and my kids love it my wife loves it so yeah it's um and i you know just like being out here I should tell people the cellar we're in, Mary, you, you mentioned at the beginning where it's the walls are covered in white with wine bottles, racks of um, dusty wine bottles, but also, well, and the floor is dirt, which is really cool for, I was telling Mark for the sound quality in here, but um, 
we are looking at sausage hanging from <laughs> from the rafters <laughs> that your son made. Yeah. I think that's so awesome. Yeah, it is cool. My kid raised a pig um, this year, and recently he slaughtered him. Uh, unlike other kids who raise them for 4-H or FFA, he wanted to raise it for food for our family, um, which is really cool. So, it was, I mean, a fantastic learning experience for him. Um did you have to get another freezer? <laughs> so, yeah, we gave a lot of food to friends, which is good. We made a lot of sausage. And just that process uh, of, you know, responsibility for kids learning how to do things, whether it's a pig or whether it's your homework, whether it's, you know, any mowing lawns on the weekend. It's, I think it's, you know, really trying to get kids engaged in projects and well, off screens also. True, true, mm-hmm. hands on. And mm-hmm. the appreciation for where our food comes from. Mm-hmm. We mentioned that earlier. But, mm-hmm. you know, when you... Um, you you're honoring the pig by mm-hmm. making great sausage mm-hmm. right you know you're it, it, he raised that pig and took care of it and loved it and you guys are honoring it by taking by sharing the, the meat and making great sausage and feeding your family and friends with it right it's cool and also there's a connection to your childhood with sausage making yes it's funny uh you mentioned that meat as a young kid we our family would often make sausage as well um so i'd often be helping my grandparents um and their friends tying sausage and i was uh, I like to joke that I was the only one under 70 in that team when I was in my <laughs> teens uh, tying sausage and all the my grandparents' friends would comment and how, man, kid, you tie so fast. And I was the only one, I think, without <laughs> arthritis in their hands. Um, but it's fun. I mean, it's, I mean, it's uh, their family traditions, whether you're baking pies for Christmas or you're doing cookies or, you know, any of these. I think these family traditions are essential, um, whatever they are. And I think it's I think families need to embrace those transitions and, and it's cool to see those traditions and it's see what new traditions we as a family pick up and what traditions we continue to follow. Like the Wednesday kids cook. Yeah. Wednesday kids cook. Yeah. (laughs) But also, you know, it's fun to go to friends' houses and they do, Mm. you know, Mm -hmm. whatever they're doing and it's cool. I mean, I have some friends, you know, they they bake cookies for Christmas or whatever it is and it's cool Mm -hmm. to see those Mm -hmm. traditions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sure. I love that. And that you can share it with your children is mm-hmm. really special. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, you know, continuing that focus on, you know, family, which is super important. So if people wanted to get your wine, how would they go about it? Um, we have a couple websites. Uh, if you can go to pizzonivineyards.com or luciavineyards.com. Um, one thing I love, my brother puts up a blog, which is really educational. So off of our Pizzoni Vineyards website, it's really, it's kind of a geeky blog where it has some technical information um, but for people wanting to learn more about San Lucia Highlands, more about soils, more about winemaking, it's a fantastic resource. And I'd encourage people to go there. It's really good. And some of the videos you guys have yeah. on your yes. website yeah. are terrific. And there's a couple videos also, and the videos are a little more fun. Um, and there's some fun ones on there as well. There's a great one about dad on there and about his history. And I think it's really cool to preserve that history. Absolutely. Um, he's driving the Jeep. He's yes. driving the Jeep, which you remember well. <laughs> I remember it was like the scariest ride of my life. Um, and I, and I think that's all, I mean, all that stuff is really important and and for us to share that. Um, so people can go to those websites and they can track us down there and we're happy. We send wine all around the country. Yeah. And it's cool to, to hear stories of people, um, that have our wine at various occasions and they Mm -hmm. reach out. And I mean, I have friends that send pictures of drinking their bottle with their friend and that has just, to be huge it's, it's, yeah, yeah it's super it's so it's cool. often friends will snap a picture and send it to me and said hey i had a mm-hmm. great bottle with my friend and yeah. it's just cool that yeah. makes it worth it right mm-hmm. yeah because you know you, you the wine goes out there and you're not always sure how it's enjoyed who it's mm-hmm. who drinks it and it's it must be satisfying 
Yeah, extremely satisfying. Um, and to hear, I mean, to think that our wine brings joy to people's life. I mean, people work so hard and we're exhausted and we're running and we're running and to open a fantastic bottle of wine and to really relax and sit down with your family and your friends. It's, it's like what we're doing this for. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's what it's all about. Yeah, that's what it's all about. And it's super cool that you ladies help promote that, which is cool. Well, thank that's you. We are, pleasure. I mean, we have just so enjoyed getting to know you and your family over the years and we were so looking forward to being back here with you today and I'm just honored I know Mary's honored that you are sharing your birthday with us yeah. <laughs> happy <laughs> birthday yeah. I'm wishing you a, a healthy easy year ahead of good fun and good family stuff you know let's get rid of COVID and <laughs> I'm, I'm with you and I'll drink to that one we, will. Yeah. we will cheers to that sip sip, sip, hooray. Hooray. sip, sip hooray Mark thanks so much Well, that's going to do it for our podcast today. Thank you for listening to Sip, Sip, Hooray. We hope if you enjoyed the show that you'll share it with your friends, your family. Spread the word about the Sip, Sip, Hooray podcast. And you can do that by, one, going to our website, sipsiphoorayspodcast.com. There you'll see all the different podcast platforms we are on. And go to your favorite one and be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode when it drops. And be sure to follow us on social media. We are at Sip Sip Hooray Podcast on Instagram and Facebook and Sip Sip Hooray, the number one, on Twitter. Be sure to tag us with any photos if you've tried any of these wines or been to the wineries. We'd love to hear from you. That's right. We want you in the Sip Sip Hooray family, so do stay in touch with us. And that's going to do it for us, Mary. It's time to go out and eat, drink, and be merry. Absolutely. We're going to pop the cork and raise a glass. (laughs) Cheers to you, Mary Orland. Cheers to you, Mary Babbitt. Sip Sip Hooray. Sip Sip Hooray. Hooray.